Hi, I'm Grant Armstrong, and I get to serve as directing pastor here at St. John's United Methodist Church in Edwardsville, Illinois. We exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Our desire is to be a beacon of faith and service, focusing our passions and gifts to reflect Christ's love to the world. You're invited to join us each week at 9 a.m. for a time of traditional worship or at 11 a.m. for contemporary worship. Thanks for joining us for this online version of the sermon. Our scripture reading today comes from the book of 2 Kings, chapter 2, verses 5 through 15. Then the group of prophets from Jericho came to Elisha and asked him, Did you know that the Lord is going to take your master away from you today? Of course I know, Elisha answered, but be quiet about it. Then Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to the Jordan River. But again, Elisha replied, As surely as the Lord lives, and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went on together. Fifty men from the group of prophets also went and watched from a distance, as Elijah and Elisha stopped beside the Jordan River. Then Elijah folded his cloak together and struck the water with it. The river divided, and the two of them went across on dry ground. When they came to the other side, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me what I can do for you before I am taken away. Then Elisha said, Please let me inherit a double share of your spirit and become your successor. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah replied. If you see me when I am taken from you, then you will get your request. But if not, then you won't. As they were walking along and talking, suddenly a chariot of fire appeared, drawn by horses of fire. It drove between the two men, separating them, and Elijah was carried by a whirlwind into heaven. Elisha saw it and cried out, My father, my father, I see the chariots and charioteers of Israel. And as they disappeared from sight, Elisha tore his clothes in distress. Elisha picked up Elijah's cloak, which had fallen when he was taken up. Then Elisha returned to the bank of the Jordan River. He struck the water with Elijah's cloak and cried out, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? Then the river divided, and Elisha went across. When the group of prophets from Jericho saw from a distance what happened, they exclaimed, Elijah's spirit rests upon Elisha. And they went to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Indianapolis 500 was often, at least on the TV, as background noise in my household on Memorial Day weekend. And I know a lot of people really enjoy car racing as a sport, but I really couldn't get into it as a young man. It looked to me like people were just going around in circles again and again, trying to avoid crashes and getting their tires changed several times, and then going in circles more and more until somebody finally dropped the checkered flag and it was over. As a kid, that seemed like a really boring way to spend three hours. As an adult, I look at it as an allegory, like a really boring way to spend a life. Years become laps around the track that we run in endless loop, hoping to avoid crashing every once in a while, taking a medical pit stop to replace the parts that are worn out, until finally somebody drops the checkered flag, and maybe some of us are declared winners in that going-in-circles race, but we all eventually get put back in our trailers. And that's comfortable. That's predictable. There's nothing wrong with any of that, but there is a risk to it. 
We can run through the years on muscle memory, going through the motions by rote. We might miss the occasional open gate that reminds us that we are not necessarily designed for running in circles. We're designed for significance. We're designed for what the Westminster Catechism describes as the chief end of humanity, to glorify God and enjoy Him eternally. Maybe we can do that by going in circles. There are absolutely some people who are called to lives of discipline that includes repetition. And then there are lives that are called to stand out, at least in the life of some other grateful person because of the faith legacy and the impact that we've left upon the life of another. We see that in the unique life and even in the death of the prophet Elijah today. And that walks us to our first lesson. The friendships we forge in faith become an enduring part of our legacy. The friendships we form in faith become an enduring part of our legacy. The group of prophets from Jericho came to Elisha and asked, Did you know the Lord was going to take your master away from you today? Of course, Elisha answered, but be quiet about it. Then Elisha said to Elisha, Stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to the Jordan River. But Elisha replied, As surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. And so they went on together. And fifty men from the group of prophets went and watched from a distance as Elijah and Elisha stopped beside the Jordan River. Elijah folded his cloak together and struck the water with it. The river divided, and the two of them went across on dry ground. Out of the gates, we just get to acknowledge that the names are confusing. Elijah and Elisha sound enough alike that it's easy to get them mixed up. So I'll try to enunciate well so that we avoid some confusion and you know which one I'm talking about at a given time. So Elijah was called by God to do really big things as a prophet. Elijah spoke on behalf of a God who disciplined an errant nation by closing up the skies from rain for three years. And when God determined that it was time to send rain again, Elijah came to the king who had ushered the Hebrew people into disobedience by inviting them to worship and serve other gods. And Elijah told that King Ahab that he should send all of the people of Israel, but especially the prophets of Asherah and Baal, to Mount Carmel. There, Elijah asked the people to make a choice and to not waver between Yahweh, the God of Israel, or the false gods that had been given to them. And then Elijah set up a challenge. Whoever's God consumed their sacrifice that was being offered with fire from heaven would be considered the true God. The prophets of Baal and Asherah were appealing to their false gods, and Elijah mocked them, saying stuff like, maybe your God's in the bathroom and he can't hear you. Then, at the usual time of the evening sacrifice, Elijah soaked the animal that he was going to sacrifice with water, four large buckets of water, and appealed to Yahweh, the God of Israel, to consume his bowl with fire, which God did immediately, leaving not even a drop of water behind. With this sign of power, Elijah ordered that all the false prophets should be round up and executed, and then Elijah waited for rain. Well, Ahab became even more upset with Elijah than he already was. So Ahab's wife Jezebel basically put a bounty on Elijah's life. God's prophet ran in fear, collapsed in complete sense of abandonment, found a little rest and sustenance provided by the Lord, and was sent on his way with a mission to find three people, two new kings for the region of a divided Israel, and his own successor who was wholly faithful to Yahweh. Elijah sought out this prophet who would follow in his own calling. Elisha was plowing a field when Elijah threw a cloak over Elisha's shoulders. It was a yoke, a burden that represented the calling of God 
upon Elisha's life, much like a stole represents that burden in clergy garments today. Elisha wanted to say goodbye to family, but Elijah basically said, fine, but remember, it wasn't me who called you. Do you want to make God wait? So Elisha demolished his plow and slaughtered his oxen on the fire. He gave the meat to the people of the community and then followed Elijah. This was his guarantee. There was no looking back. Elijah found his relief in a desperate time, and Elisha showed immediately how committed he was to this calling. That's the kind of men that these that this kind of bond that these men developed from the very start. Ultimate trust and submission together before a holy God. And in this time when Elijah was about to be called from his life and into glory, Elisha would not let him face it alone. Not if it was possible for him to be his mentor's and friend's companion. He would walk with him to the edge of life. And I hope you are blessed with someone who shows that kind of determined friendship to you. When you determine that you're going to face some sort of hardship or unknown struggle all by yourself, I hope you have someone who will look you in the eyes and say, as long as the Lord allows, I am not leaving you. Why is faith an important part of that kind of bond? Because sometimes we need someone to give voice to prayers that we cannot bring ourselves to pray. Sometimes we need to call for a forgiveness that we feel ill-equipped to offer or to receive. Sometimes we need strength and hope that we simply can't lay hold of in our own dire situation. But with the help of a friend, we can remember that God is with us. We can know that grace which sets us free. We can know that the gifts God desires to give us do not wait for our worthiness or our deserving. They simply wait for our acceptance. And from time to time, it takes the love of a friend in faith to draw those hopeful things back to our attention. Our second lesson. Witnessing true godliness causes us to hunger for a deeper faith in our own lives. Witnessing true godliness Godliness causes us to hunger for a deeper faith in our own lives. Verse 9, when they came to the other side, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me what I can do for you before I'm taken away. And Elisha replied, Please let me inherit a double share of your spirit and become your successor. You've asked a difficult thing, Elijah replied. If you see me when I'm taken from you, then you will get your request, but if not, then you won't. And as they were walking along, talking, Suddenly, a chariot of fire appeared, drawn by horses of fire. It drove between the two men, separating them, and Elijah was carried by the whirlwind into heaven. Elisha saw it and called out, My father, my father, I see the chariots and charioteers of Israel. And as they disappeared from sight, Elisha tore his clothes in distress. One of the people that's been instrumental in shaping my own faith life is also one of the most courageous evangelists I have met in this life and may ever meet. His name is Fred, and he's been engaged in ministry as, risking, as risky as facing interrogation for smuggling Bibles into Iron Curtain countries or just preaching on streets in New Orleans during Mardi Gras. Now, there's a difference between an angry person with a bullhorn and an effective and gifted evangelist, and Fred is a gifted evangelist. One of the things that I think makes him truly effective is that he lives the life of someone who is really content in Christ. 
He's full of joy. He doesn't look down on anyone. Jesus can redeem and transform any life, and Fred has seen it happen more times than I can imagine, and he treats people in the light of that reality. And one of the things that he said really struck me. The anointing of God is a little bit like a faucet. It pours down on a person, but it also splashes. If you see someone who has a spiritual gift that stirs a passion in you, go and stand next to that person. Ask if you can follow. Go where they go. Do what they do. See if some of that anointing of God doesn't splash on you. He sets up leadership training in his ministries to facilitate just that. You don't just go do a job. You receive spiritual mentoring from people who have been faithful in that role before you. That's exactly what Elisha was doing. He knew the faith that Elijah lived. He had seen the power of God at work in Elijah's life. He had the chance to stand next to this mighty prophet of God and catch some of the splash from that spiritual power at work in Elijah. And this experience not only gave Elisha a great experience, but it created in him a desire to know even more, to seek even more. Elisha experienced the power of God moving mightily in the life of his mentor. And so Elisha didn't want twice Elijah's fame or recognition. He asked if, as Elijah's successor, he might have a double portion of his spirit, if he might know twice the faith and twice the divine favor. Those requests that seek first to honor God tend to receive answers in the affirmative in Scripture. And Elisha gets to the point that point in prayer by seeing God's matchless faithfulness, even through difficult times in the life of his predecessor. How do we live such a faith? In some, it's through the courage to follow God to great adventure, and for others, it's in leading, leading a life of quiet simplicity. For everyone, it's living a life that is different and set apart, because God is a part of it. Seeing Elijah caused Elisha to turn his plow into firewood and roast the oxen, the service oxen, on the flames so he could learn to follow without a fallback. This Memorial Day, I wonder whose faith has caused the course of your life to veer Christward. Whose life of dedication has caused you to more earnestly pray, God, have your way with my life and bring your kingdom close? And who is looking to you for that inspiration? Who looks to you so that they might see a life of fearless service? Or who looks to you to witness what true peace and simplicity looks like when one has the assurance of God's love through Jesus Christ? Who is asking for a double portion of what they see of God in us? Our third lesson. It's up to us to take the cloak. It's up to God to provide the power. It's up to us to take the cloak. It's up to God to provide the power. Elisha picked up Elijah's cloak, which had fallen when he was taken up. Then Elisha returned to the bank of the Jordan River. He struck the water with Elisha's cloak and cried out, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And the river divided, and Elisha went across. When the group of prophets from Jericho saw at a distance what had happened, they exclaimed, Elijah's spirit rests with Elisha. And they went to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. A good portion of the victories that are won in Scripture involve the Lord promising the victory, but the battle must still be fought. God offers many descendants to an aged Abraham and Sarah, but they still have to conceive and deliver a child. 
God promised the land to Abraham's descendants, but the Hebrew people still had to fight the battle to claim it. God's gifting us with forgiveness, eternity, and a brand new start, but Jesus still endured the cross that we might receive it. God gives us these promises, and to our understanding, they might look like God handing us something without real sacrifice or struggle on our part. But what we'll find is what Jesus tells us. If anyone wants to find life, that person must forsake their life to take up their cross and follow. That cloak that Elisha picks up once Elijah is carried off is the same one that was placed on Elisha's shoulders when he was called from his plow. It represented the labor that Elisha would undertake, like those oxen under the yoke of the plow. If Elisha wanted to receive God's promise, he would have to take up the burden of the life of a prophet. And that might not sound bad, but think about Elijah's desperate state when he located Elisha. He was being actively hunted by a queen's loyal forces who wanted to see him killed. He was exhausted and hungry. He felt isolated and alone. And that's what he got for being faithful to his call. Elisha had no reason to expect any different in his life. It would be completely understandable if Elisha were to let that cloak settle on the ground so that he could go back to planting his field. Except he couldn't. He had already irrevocably aligned himself with Elijah. His heart desired to honor his predecessor's vocation, and he wanted to be an instrument of that double portion for which he so boldly asked. And as we read ahead past this passage in Kings, 2 Kings, we see Elisha enabling miracles of provision through multiplying olive oil to meet the needs of somebody in particular, but through an entire community with some left over. We hear about him raising a, a woman's child from death to life. We read about him healing a man with leprosy. It's not coincidental that the story of a prophet who followed a man that ministered in camel's hair and a leather belt were to give us such a foretaste of what we'd see in the ministry and relationship between John the Baptist and Jesus. See, Elisha wasn't just pointing the people of his own generation to the power of God to save. He was helping people who encountered Jesus to see the powerful presence of God in their midst. And he helps us today to see those patterns of how God calls us, invites us to take up our crosses and die to ourselves so that we might follow in greater faithfulness and maybe greater significance. We're not going to find that in a life that's spent going blindly in circles. It only comes from a life lived sharing significance with others. Seeking the godliness we're designed to show in our lives, standing near the folks who seem to be standing under the faucet of God's gifts and taking up the burden that God has set before us so that we can both witness and evidence God's power to free and to save. And that's how this faith, this torch that is ours to pass, outlives us and spreads across generations well after our time on this earth is done. And that might be our memorial. Would you pray with me? Gracious Lord, help us to have eyes that see the life of faith at work. Help us to recognize those over whom you pour out great gifts, over whom you pour anointing. And Lord, as our passions are stirred, as our, our faith spark is fanned to flame, God, help us to draw near to those people so that we might experience that gifting. We might know what it is to 
walk alongside those who are showing such evidence of faith that we might inherit their patterns and find the pattern that you have set before us to live a life of faithfulness, of obedience, where we don't have a fallback, where our option is to live in full faithfulness to you. Lord, we pray that you would encourage our faith, that you would lift our faces to remind us that even in the most difficult and trying of circumstances, Lord, that you are with us, that you lead and guide us, and that we are not alone, that you have called to us those who are joining us on this journey and helping us to know your presence with us. And God, we pray that as we follow, others might see the light of your love shining in us so that perhaps they can also know your goodness, your power, your saving love. We entrust all of this to you with hope. All in the powerful name of Christ our Lord. Amen.